0: Today on the Video Maker Podcast, we talk all about file formats. We talk about what they are, what are the aspects about them you really need to know, and what do you do with them. All that and more coming up. But first, I want to quickly make you aware of VideoMaker's email newsletter. It's full of great Video Maker articles covering the art and technology of video production. You'll find how-to articles, articles that cover the concepts and principles of visual storytelling, reviews of the latest video cameras and software, a roundup of the latest video news, buyers guides that cover everything from camera support, computers, field monitors and tons more. Plus, if you want to get alerts about our free instructional webinars and receive invitations to our in-person networking events across the United States, the videomaker email newsletter is the best way to stay up to speed. Sign up today at videomaker.com/newsletter. That's videomaker.com/newsletter. Now, onto the show. Welcome to the Video Maker Podcast. I'm Mike Wilhelm. And with me as always, to my right is Nicole Lajuness. Hello. And to my left is Chris Monlux. It's happening. And as a quick reminder, if you've been listening to this podcast and you enjoy it, we would love for you to give us a five-star review on iTunes. It's really helpful for new podcasts like ours. iTunes is still the uh, the the kingmaker, I guess, in the world of podcasts um so we'd love it if you went over there and gave us a review and i'm going to keep the announcements at that today so um let's see today we're going to talk about all about file formats essentially file formats codecs and what to do with them so yeah. what are the properties of these files and uh, how do you work with them
1: really guess, before right? we get too far though stick around you want to you want to listen to this information because you're going to come into a problem that you're not going to be able to solve unless you, you heard it so
0: yeah <laughs> uh interesting a uh, bit of trivia um File formats is, the, our article on file formats is one of our most popular on videomaker.com. Not the most exciting topic, but it's really a confusing topic, I guess, right? Um, especially as you're, you know, outputting, let's say you've used, you're you using Premiere for the first time and you're hitting the button to um, export your video, you got a lot of options to choose mm-hmm.
1: from. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so uh, what we're talking about now, this is long form, right? So we're in a podcast. We're going to talk for an hour or something. But yeah. if you uh, want to get this quick, you know, like say you found this headline and you're like, I need this answer now. We got like lots of articles that you can go read, stuff that's a shorter format uh, that's probably going to get you there faster. Uh, so we have an article, video editing workflow, how to do it properly. Uh, we'll have a link for that. Uh, I think we also we have, have one uh, video formats explained. Yep.
0: and We'll put a link for that in the description as well.
1: Yeah, so go to those if you're looking for the direct answer. But if you just like to listen, because you know we want to talk to you and tell you all about it and make it interesting to listen to. But and if you're uh, a geek like us, who just likes to talk about this stuff,
0: yeah, stick around. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I don't know about you guys, but you know the first time I was introduced to you know the complexities of file formats is basically like I got my first digital video camera and I shot some video and I went to put it on my computer and I didn't really have a choice. There was the file in the format that the camera spat it out. Uh, at me um, and you got to take this file and try to t- try to work with it somehow right now in the case of a lot of consumer cameras especially the case with uh, mobile phones it just works like you drop it into your editing software and theoretically it works but it hasn't always been the case and it ha- it isn't always the case with a lot of cameras these days yeah
1: you know I came from tape so we just you know it was like frame rate and going on to tape and so it was like uh, when you're ingesting you were choosing these things but it wasn't until we got our first camera with an actual like media card that it was going in that we started thinking about this and even then like i remember trying to get into higher frame rates and and doing that kind of stuff realizing that there's some some there was a lot of bad choices at the time so uh it's now it's a lot more organized it's
2: interesting that you guys like didn't have or like oh it's just whatever the camera spat out maybe i was in a weird transition period when i was like learning to edit but i remember bringing in my footage and maybe it was an export setting or something and it just being Almost like fifty per the cent of the time it would come out squished at the wrong aspect ratio or something. Oh, or it yeah, looked just like super ratio. weird. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what is this pixel aspect ratio even about? And and that was like a learning curve for me of like uh this subtle setting that's buried somewhere in my um you know, export. We used like to get
1: so many commercials from outside areas with the wrong hours. <laughs> pixel aspect ratio. And the thing is is there's not a right pixel aspect ratio unless you're delivering it somewhere that has what it needs. So like we did commercials and all of a sudden people would look really, well, thin, most people weren't upset about that, but it, but it was the other way. Most of the time it was like they gave us a, a 4 by 3 pixel and then it stretched it out and make everybody look wide and, and didn't look good or, or okay. what have you. Is
2: that how you really look? No, yeah. that's not. Yeah, well, and
0: a lot of people get these cameras and they shoot with them and then they get this squeezed video or stretched video and it's like they don't even know to look to pic- for pixel aspect ratio. Yeah. I mean, Google
1: helps now, obviously. But right. Yeah
2: my my video production teacher helped yeah <laughs> at that time and
1: and now the editors are smart enough to like give you the right one you know bring you yeah, just make no. a, a sequence based on it. you don't have to choose right. from a list of them and hope you pick the right one it can just make it based on the actual file at least in premiere and final cut you can do that i think you have a you can but it's a little uh you, you might have to make some choices and and resolve obviously i think you can too as well but the definitely um the it i mean it used to be dvavi that was what you digitized as and it was fine but then once we went to hd that was when all the pe- pixel aspect ratio because it was yeah. like it might have been 720 hd or 1080 hd but before we get too deep in the woods let's let's start <laughs> really explaining the the process here right
0: yeah exactly so um i mean actually you just you just sort of mentioned it the almost the first thing you encounter is what is the format of the file uh and it's like the file type right so Uh, DVAVI is one of them. Um, And these days, most people are encountering H.264 files, and H.264 is like, um, it's the, uh, let's see, this is really confusing, so I'm going to try to remember, it's the codec, and the container is usually an MP4 file or an MOV file. Correct. Um, Now, all that is um, kind of a a difficult thing to track, especially if you're just like staring at a file on your screen. (laughs) Um, But it really comes down to, kind of compatibility for the most part right and and efficiency of the the format in terms of basically you know how many seconds of video do you get for per you know megabyte or how many megabytes does it take to encode a, a
1: second of video right yeah I mean and and it's funny because it used to be a lot more um, based on uh, the operating system you're we on so we get files from Apple users and we were the whole station was uh, PC based and we get a MOV. And we ended up having to buy QuickTime to be able to play that MOV. Now, that's not, I think, I'm pretty sure you can play MOVs uh, in um, Windows 10 now just fine. But yeah. the, it used to be, oh, crap, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a QuickTime Pro re, uh, file. And the same thing happened that. in reverse
0: with AVI. Yes. Uh, you know, you get an AVI file and try to open up on a Mac and, yeah, tough. and go. Yeah. So that's like one of the, the first things you'll learn, right, when you're trying to make, do this juggle uh, is um, how do you convert the file of one type to another so that your editing system can work with it uh, which is transcoding um, and it's really just making the um, it's not encoding it's not decoding it's transcoding so you're you're changing one code uh, uh, file format into another um, and a lot of times it's that it's turn the avi into an h264 file it's you know turn a uh, pro res file into an h264 file or what have you.
1: Yeah, and you're doing this for optimization so you can you could be doing it to optimize the media for the editor. So like say you're using Final Cut Pro, it loves cuz it's Apple ProRes files and it plays a lot nicer whenever they give us demos of the of the software, it's always like if you use an 8K ProRes uh, you know, MOV it can play four continuous streams, but it's like, well, what about this? And it's like everything outside of that, it it's going to choke on and have a harder time. But it'll have a way better time than any other editor with those files. And every editor has its own optimized media. That really is the the media that is the backbone of how everything works. It's going in your computers. Uh, you're going to optimize it for. Your performance of your editor so when you're using your computer you're not losing quality you're just using some other format because it's more compatible with your your editing system and computer
2: so okay y- you i think we're still like too far in the weeds uh you pick your file type your file starts existing on your camera right so that's going to be your your first selection is like what maybe your camera doesn't have any other settings so you just get whatever it gets but yeah, I mean- You can go in and, and change most of like modern cameras to recording different file types. Somewhat, right. Or like, maybe that's not the right word. Yeah, like so different resolutions, kind of compressions, frame rates, yeah. bit rates.
1: Totally, so you can choose your camera. Now the camera might be solid, so if you choose a certain resolution and frame rate, uh, you might only be able to have one choice, but it might be different than if you chose a different resolution and frame
2: rate. So whatever file type you end up with on your camera, um based on what you're shooting probably also then has to be compatible with your computer and your editor and that's where transcoding comes in it's when your camera doesn't deliver a file that plays well with all of that other stuff
1: yeah and so it used to transcode more for like compatibility like for it actually to work but this is more optimizing work so it's making it so it works better with your editor so you can do more like um I've recently been shooting some uh, file types that uh, just really make my computer chug really, really hard. I, even though I, um, I made a bunch of ProRes files from them and they worked a lot better, but they were like five times the size. So they're far bigger, but the computer could play them easier than decoding this other footage.
2: So what impacts a computer's ability or an editing program's ability to read a file?
0: Well, it's like the operating system and uh and the software and and i guess to a lesser extent maybe the video card um but you know like for example um final cut pro is like really built to run ProRes files um and if you're using um, um premiere on a pc you're gonna have a harder time than than the mac will
2: so it comes down to what what decoding software is being used
1: yeah well or like how what was optimized for now premiere is not as um it, it might not be a this works this format works best for premiere it might be a combination of this format works best with premiere and your computer um and of course because premiere is uh you know cross platform you have different things to consider when when doing those things but the it's because it goes cross your i mean ProRes is just a easy to decode compression H265 for example so this is the 10 bit version of H264 just to talk about it we'll call it that (laughs) i don't think it actually is but that the h265 actually has a hard time decoding even though it's a really efficient codec so it's really good at compressing a lot of data into a small compact file to decode that to then unravel it and watch it um that it uh it takes a lot more work and so i remember the very first time dealing with h265 well we i think we first encountered it before we could even any computer or editing program, which was the NX5, the Samsung uh, cameras? It's the Samsung NX1. NX1. Yeah, NX1, yeah wouldn't,
0: uh, it wouldn't even play like in the operating system. It was like <laughs> you know the operating system saying, I don't know what to
1: do with this. And not only that, but like we, no encoder then, we, had the, we ended up having to, I think, handbrake it and for, have handbrake do the transcode for us yeah. into something else. But at the time, it, we wouldn't have been able to take advantage of what uh, H.265 or also called uh, H.VEC, or high efficiency video codec I'm amazed I just remember that um, is that right
2: yeah oh I I don't know but what's your point
1: anyway <laughs> <laughs> but the, the those the, that that it, it the h264 will play well and h265 won't
2: right because uh, of the compression the amount of compression that's being done yeah. or it, like it's unwrapping it's more composed. data
1: too you know if you're talking about yeah. uh, a lot of h265 is 10 bit so we're talking about billions of colors versus millions so uh so it
2: packs more information uh, into it onto a smaller card basically or a smaller storage memory space
1: totally so it's like uh, people know what zip files are that's just yeah. compressing and bringing files together this is you kind have of to that unzip them before yeah. you can use it and so it takes time the unpacking of it to, is if it's you know a lot of data and it has to do that it might do it very easily now like things like a red code raw is a really efficient codec even though it's a raw they have it's it's really good at doing a lot with very little resources, and that's just a really great codec. But you pay for it in the you know tens of thousands of dollars for a camera, and so that's the thing that like uh, Blackmagic is fighting against to have on their cameras to have lots of different options, you know, so that you can choose the right option in the camera and not have to actually transcode it in the computer. Uh,
2: yeah, and that's kind of what I was trying to get out earlier is like if you you don't necessarily need to transcode or worry about that if you can't have the ability to choose the right file type in your camera.
1: Totally. But most cameras offer what they offer and you get what you get whereas Blackmagic cameras are actually really um, outside of the norm of having multiple I mean you can choose you know the frame rate and resolution, and then get you have three flavors of compression that you can put on it and different variants of amount of that compression as well. And, yeah. and it, but that's like a cinema camera, and cinema cameras t- tend to have that kind of and I also, uh, subject matter.
2: I also think I was conflating the idea of file type and like resolution and bitrate and things like that, which is not necessarily tied together
0: there sometimes is um, is a connection there inside your camera like if you want to get use a certain frame rate or a certain resolution they may require that you go with a certain file type. To accommodate it, yeah. So but they it's can not actually necessarily link together.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, it's it's more of this is how we can do it with the processor that's right. in the computer in the camera. So this is what you get. Yeah. But that's yeah, as trends are changing, we're getting more flexibility in those things. Is more external recorders, cameras are now offering a different output out through HDMI than they can record internally. So there's a lot of ways yeah, to optimize fun. what you're shooting with right off the bat but if you're worrying about this likely is you got something that your computer is having a hard time with and you're looking for an answer to how do i deal with this and i think that's when like the idea of transcoding for optimized media uh comes in uh the idea of proxies which we haven't talked about at all um which is like the idea of uh having um uh a smaller resolution and smaller file size uh, video represent what you're working on. And it replaces that footage so you can work with it and your computer doesn't need as much resources to deal with it. And then at the very last step before you're outputting the, the video, it re- or reconnects to that original media so that you can render off of that. Uh, original high-quality footage and not off the lower-resolution, lower data rate um, files. So there,
0: some some uh, older folks like me might think about you know the old days of copying tapes and think about like well, when I shoot something, the best quality version is going to be the version that's the original, and every time I copy it, I'm going to lose something. Um, and that's not always the case, especially when we're talking about proxies. Um, because, in those cases, you're copying it with the intention of reverting back to what it was. And in other cases, you can actually uh, transcode something in from a compressed format to an uncompressed format, or a lossless format, um, and you will lose no quality. Now your um, You know, your file size will, will climb. Yeah, but there's this idea that, um, you know, you want to choose the appropriate file, f- type for your editing workflow. So that's what can your computer actually run? What's the software run? Um, what is it run well? Um, do you need to use proxies? So like you need to really take a step back in terms of resolution and quality just to get through the edit. Um, and then there's also the um, the archive um, format, right? So at mm-hmm. some point you might decide, um, well I have the, the file that came right out of the camera. I finished the project and now I need to put this basically like into cold storage. Um, just because I might need it two years from now. In which case, you might transcode it into yet another format that is more efficient um, for long-term storage that maybe is more efficient, but you can't really use it, like an H.265 um, or something like that. There's a number of reasons you might need to convert or transcode one file type to another.
1: Well, and the the big thing there, especially for the the archive idea, is it's likely a finished work, so you're not going to have to change it. So you know go you, you might an h264 might be just fine because you're not going to have to change the footage again you're not going to need that flexibility in, in having all that more information you're just looking for a file to have for you know posterity or, or just to keep the storage around mm-hmm. um, but there's the other w- idea of like doing the highest quality you possibly can so that you can keep up with how things are changing but that's kind of a, a a short-term when you look at the really long view of like everything's gonna be outdated always so yeah, it just depends on when you know if you're gonna go back to it in the well you know two years from now okay it might be applicable but if you say five years or more than that regardless of what you make it in it's gonna not be able to keep up with the Joneses but it'll be a lot of uh, you know if you do a lossless or, or some kind of really a robust codec or um, compression uh, that you know you're going to have a big file to, to manage
2: yeah i think it really depends on what you foresee the use of that footage later like i can see a documentarian wanting to save as much footage and as high quality as possible for some unforeseen project where that's just going to be really handy or like but and then other cases where it really is just a record of what was done and it doesn't matter if you can go back and make substantial changes or whatever. I think it's a manage
1: it's just an idea of budget, right? If you have the budget yeah. to keep it around, you keep it around. Uh, you know, if you're a movie and you spend a lot of money on the movie and the shooting of it all, of course they're going to keep all that source of stuff because it's going to be the extras and the behind the scenes and all those things of different takes or whatever. That'll be valuable historically even.
2: Yeah, like if you're if you were intended use or like projected use can justify the cost of storage to, to store it. And I would say just store it as best quality that you can. Yeah. Then it's justified. So let's
0: just talk about a couple of, um, specs, I guess, to consider with your file formats when you're making these changes, because in some cases you may do a transcode from one format to another and take a pretty serious quality hit maybe without noticing. Right. So, um, one of the big ones is bit depth or uh, sorry bit bit rate we'll start with bit rate so bit rate is um, the amount of data it takes to um, to encode um, a particular piece of video and it's usually measured in you know seconds
1: megabytes or megabits per second yeah megabits mm-hmm. per second me- megabytes per Megabaga- second. megabytes are big files megabits are eight times smaller so uh, always a bit is an eighth of a byte
0: yeah and and generally the rule of thumb though not always is the the bigger the bitrate, the higher quality file it is not always um but often that's the case so if you're taking a um you know an 800 megabit file and converting it into a 100 megabit file
1: um then you can expect some sort of quality loss yeah it's you're not gonna be able to keep i mean even the most efficient compression uh, is not going to be able to save you, uh, you know, that much space. Uh, in fact, a lot of them aren't. They're they're efficient in the way they, they capture, but maybe not how they decode. Well, yeah. like we did with the H two six five. Yep. Um,
0: yeah. uh, the the other one which I just sort of accidentally got into a bit depth <laughs> is the color space. Yeah. Right. So that's a really real killer, right? If you start with a ten bit um, file that, as Chris mentioned, has billions of colors in it, um, and you drop to an eight bit file which now is down to millions of colors like that's a lot of color data that just goes away
1: yeah and let's put this practically right so if you have a gradient from uh, one color to the next the more colors you have, the more smooth that gradient is. So the more smooth the color transformation from one to another is. So in, you're gonna have more color to actually play with and as well as you'll be able to have a uh, very minor uh, nuance between colors instead of the idea that, uh, you know, we're, we're compressing it into a, uh, say eight bit, you're making all those, lots of colors into a smaller package. Now is 8-bit bad? No, because we've been using it for a long time, but it's not gonna give you uh, as much leeway in um, your post-production. So if you need to change it, um, affect it in any way, those things are gonna degrade easier in post-production. So think of the bigger the bit depth, the more the colors. Um, I think right now we're only talking about 8, 10, and 12 in the video world. Mm -hmm. And 10-bit is where HDR exists. So HDR starts at 10 bit, um, and needs to be, um, and that's really like the, the the baseline for that. Not that that really matters in what we're talking about, but that's usually where you see it. And then 12 bits, where you're finding in raw. When people are talking about raw, typically raw is a 12 bit format or greater.
0: And the dangerous thing here is, um, is you could get into this, um, this, I guess, practice of encoding or transcoding your files, and then like watching them to see is the difference really noticeable. Like I would do that all the time. I would look at the original file, then I would transcode it, look at the transcoded file, and go, oh, this is half the file size, and uh, to my eye, it looks about the same. Right. Um, But in a lot of cases, people are using 8-bit monitors. Like I believe that's the most common um, bit depth monitor that you can get. So your your 8-bit monitor can display um, 16.7 million colors. And so you see an, uh, a nice gradient uh, if, if you're looking at the color spectrum there. Um, and uh, But if you're looking at a 10-bit image on an 8-bit monitor versus an 8-bit image on an 8-bit monitor, the same image otherwise other than the bit depth, they're going to look identical until you pull it up on a 10-bit monitor, and then suddenly your 8-bit picture is going to look kind of like blotchy compared to the 10-bit which has uh, a billion colors Um, and then obviously the next step up to 12-bit i don't know if there's 12-bit monitors but you're (laughs) talking about color data that you can't actually see until you try to like pull it within the monitors range that's sixty-eight billion colors. Yeah,
1: um, I think there are. But you're talking about the the high-end color grading uh, reference monitors and stuff yeah. like that. That's got 12G.
2: Right. That's not like consumer no, monitors. You're, in you're not going to find. You might not find a desktop. 10-bit monitor at
1: Best Buy or you know Newegg or something. But. Yeah. So
0: the, the thing that that always you know brings it uh, into clarity for me is is when you're looking at like a 12-bit image, and you see some bright brights and some dark darks, and the whites are very white. And you start darkening it, you bring the highlights down, you bring the highlights down, and the white stays white until you just keep dialing the highlights down and down and down and down and down until you come down within the eight-bit range and suddenly now detail starts coming out of the whites that was just totally clipped off. Completely blown by out by your monitor. Yeah. So that's what something that you just want to watch out for as you're transcoding. Uh, if you do have a 12-bit file, if you're lucky enough to be working with a 12-bit file, transcoding into an 8-bit file and saying, Ah, hey, it looks about the same. Um, is really taking away a lot of the flexibility which you could have available to you.
1: Here's a situation I'm having right now shooting with the Canon 1DX Mark III. It shoots 12-bit Canon RAW light uh, files. These are called CRM, but they call it it's 12-bit RAW. The issue is uh, that I use Premiere and that there's no decoding of this file in Premiere yet. So um, I can't play it in Premiere, but I can bring it into Final Cut. There is a patch for it. The issue, though, is... I can't output out Final Cut in anything but 10 bit. 10 bit's the greatest you can output. So if I want to transcode this footage for m- myself, oh, I can watch it in Final Cut, but I'll never get that 12 bit into Premiere because I can't play it currently. And uh, so, and not only that, but it's, it's really interesting. Once I went, okay, I'm going to put that out as 10 bit uncompressed, the files, each file went from gig- megabytes to tens and hundreds of gigabytes uh like i mean i had one clip that went yeah from it was like less than a gig to over 100 gigs of one file and that's when i went this doesn't seem uh worth it i'm gonna do my judgment in final cut and then i'll have to do it somewhere else but i'm sure there's gonna be a patch for it but that's kind of the idea of working on the bleeding edge of of resolutions and stuff is in codex that that you're gonna not find support sometimes
2: so okay so regardless of the support problem which is kind of a temporary thing um But if you're working with something like that, like a really large file that gives you lots of flexibility, like a 10-bit or 12-bit image, do you transcode it right away? Like, how how do you take advantage of that if your computer isn't going to let you edit it? Like, when do you transcode? That's
0: a great question. I say we address it right after quick break. Okay. For years, VideoMaker has been producing quality video training to help you take your video skills to the next level. Now you can access it all from a VideoMaker Plus account. We've got courses covering everything from learning how to navigate your camera with our course on camera controls and settings to learning about color grading or even how to start a video business. VideoMaker Plus has something for you. The VideoMaker library is split into four levels. If you're just starting, try our inexpensive starter level membership, which gets you access to essential video training and a digital subscription to Video Maker Magazine for the most professional training, go all the way up to our Professional Tier membership, which gives you access to our entire library of training, which covers advanced concepts like running a video business or becoming a documentary filmmaker. Plus, the Professional Tier is the only membership with access to our popular webinar recordings. Plus, right now, for a limited time, you can get the Professional Tier of Videomaker Plus for the price of the Creative Tier. That's $100 savings. Sign up at videomaker.com springdeal that's videomaker.com slash spring deal okay we're back now I'm trying to uh, synopsize here or paraphrase your question Nicole is like when do you have these images when do you decide to actually transcode it here and I guess the question is is uh, the answer to the question varies depending on your situation so there's um, there's you need to transcode it uh, because you, need, you just need to get it into your editing system right and or there's you need to transcode it so that um, you know, you can actually edit efficiently.
1: Um, but uh, Chris, what have you encountered most often? So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be case by case, because it's going to be all about you, what you're going to end up with, right? So if if you need to, uh, if you're going to be doing a lot of coloring on something, it, it matters what your trans code's is going to be. But if you're, you know if if you're not taking advantage of what the benefits are of whatever you're transcoding from then uh in in the whole production then one you probably chose the wrong uh thing to shoot on in the first place but that you know you, you could probably transcode right off the bat if you're not going to be needing it later um it really was just a bunch of data you, my, you captured
2: my thought is like i got this really awesome 12-bit image it needs color correction um do I do the color correction and then transcode it? Do I do like proxies and then go back and color correct the whole thing at the end? Like well, that's that's where what's proxies I think
1: are um, the right thought process for is if you don't know. You're like, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm gonna need to do some grading, or like if you shot raw, it's gonna need grading because it's gonna be, it's not gonna have any saturation or contrast. You're gonna have to else.
2: correct it down to the 8 bit output that you're most likely are gonna use if, if
1: that's your output, but
2: you which know, is still s- typically pretty standard.
0: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. just, just real quickly, I want to jump in with a, a very succinct definition of, of what proxies are. Proxies are really taking a, um, a big file that's difficult to run into a computer, converting it into a small file, usually small resolution, um, so that you can edit with it. And then before you hit the render button at the end of the project, swapping them out again for the big file
1: yeah right just, they're just placeholders yeah. they are they are telling the editor where in and out points are on the video that you're gonna finally output so yeah and you can look
0: at it you can watch it and you can edit it it's just the picture quality is not that good
1: totally and so if you get you say you're using proxies then all of a sudden you get to the color space your color process well you're probably going to have to swap out Yeah, the originals again so you can look in frames and that kind of thing yeah exactly or you know uh, you can have all the clips you're going to be used graded and then bringing them back in or there's a lot of different ways depending on if you're doing it Uh, and this is when you talk about your workflow if it's like a, a straight line or if it's round tripping so you're coming back to processes or you're always a linear from start to finish it really depends on the process of that but really the i mean the the choice to go with a higher bit depth should come with a reason for it so if there is a reason so let's say a good reason for shooting at a higher bit depth uh is dynamic range so you can get you know significantly more dynamic range the higher the bit depth um usually and so uh you shoot shooting in some situation where you you have just a really dramatic dynamic range and you don't want to just crush it all Um, and lose all that dynamic range. You wanna be able to do something with it later or you're gonna need to do a wild grade on it or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you you planned with that. And so you might be even doing proxy with only a few shots. It might not be that you use that 12-bit, the whole project, it was just for that scene or what you know so it's just like uh choosing the right lens for the shot now i'm not i wouldn't say mid-scene choosing what you're doing but you know sometimes when you change frame rates you have to you you're going to be in a different type of media too depending on the camera and and what they're going to give to you so um but i mean a lot of it really has to do with your system i I would say you know in in a lot of cases transcodings or trans Op, transcoding optimized media, so you're you're doing pretty much something that's going to play better in the computer but not lose quality. That's going to be your best case scenario, but all of these end up coming with the uh, dilemma of, I have these really big files. I just made them into these other big files. Which ones do I keep? Hmm. Uh, you know, if I transcode it, well, you probably should be able to get rid of the raw, but man, it's so hard to get rid of that, that source f- footage sometimes, yeah. you know, and and so it's like, well, if you're going to have that issue... Um, you know, what What are you gaining from transcoding versus working with the original, or if you can actually proxies. choose, or working with proxies. Yeah. And it really comes down to, if you have a really heavy-duty computer, you're gonna need less transcoding, less optimization, or less proxy work in, in any way, because you're likely gonna be able to handle it. But I can attest that I have a very expensive, uh, you know, $10,000 iMac Pro, and uh, it's been crashing a lot lately due to the high uh, bit depth stuff that I'm shooting. So twelve bit raw from uh, Canon C two hundred, it plays it, but it, it gets it just gets choked up every once in a while. I can't do barely any color correction on it without okay. it starting to stumble and drop frames. So that's and it. so it becomes really difficult to edit, but I can also drop the quality down so it's not trying to preview it to me all that in the in the program so there's some other things you can do to proc to make your performance work better in your edit system than just optimizing the media however mm-hmm. optimizing media is a surefire way to get it to work better if you're optimizing it for uh your workflow right
0: so um you know we talked about proxies but and we talked about this idea that, of transcoding and then you know keeping the originals or or what have you but i think that Really, for most people, what it's going to come down to is they're going to be in a situation where they have their footage and, you know, hopefully they can just take their footage straight off the camera and edit it, which great, no transcoding for you, you're you're lucky, (laughs) but in other cases, you need to transcode all your footage so you can edit it. And uh, you edit your project, you finish it, you put it on YouTube or whatever you're doing with it. And that's the end of the project, like I would classify. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Most of video makers' work is like this. You know, we're not making uh, big Hollywood films. We're not making films of any kind. Really, no. we're making, you know, uh, instructional videos and these podcasts. I guess yeah. right. <laughs> and so uh, having it be the absolute highest bit depth, highest bit rate, you know, video file is, is not super important. Um, in other cases, you know, it is, and you do need to, um, you know, use a proxy just so that you can edit. Um, with any kind of efficiency without having your computer choke up in the yeah. middle of it um, and you know i think that let's see one of you mentioned that um, you might not want to uh, color grade your your proxies i don't know i actually think that in a lot of cases you might so um you know just to to get an idea here so this is this is really the topic here is the workflow and the, pers- the sort of order of operations of when things happen yeah yeah um so typically you would bring all your files in, you would edit it uh, you would go through a couple rounds of editing through the rough cut and the final cut um, before you come to a phase called uh, picture lock, which basically says no more editing. We're just going to like <laughs> do the finishing now. We're going to go back and fix all the the color, and you're going to add graphics or what have you have you at that point. So at that point, someone's going to jump in and work on the color. Um, And you might be tempted to go back and say, okay, well, let's swap these proxies out for for the originals here. But I think, I would argue in a lot of cases, you don't need to do that, uh, at least if we're talking about, um, you know, like for like bit depth. So if you have, your proxies are 8-bit and your originals are 8-bit, this is what I'm talking about, or 10-bit versus 10-bit. In that, you know, a lot of times you just need to take the proxies from like 4K or 6K down to 1080, um, and everything else is fine. And you can you can achieve quite a bit of efficiency going from 4k to 1080 like we're talking about a 4x reduction in the number of pixels on a screen at, the, at a time um, while still being able to do color work on it like again like I said
1: assuming that they're the same the same bit depth totally and I mean I, I think that um, it's it's only those that are gonna do something well it, I think it's when you're having to transcode, like, say, a 12-bit or or something else like that, if you have to, most of the time, yeah, you're losing resolution. You also might be compressing it some. I think it really depends on the the process that you're going through. And how
2: much you have to get it down to size or whatever. Like, what can your computer support? If it's, like, a 480-whatever-pixelated placeholder, it's not going to be Yeah, if you're trying to edit your,
0: your, you know, your uh, uh, RE444, four, 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 uh, <laughs> four footage four. on your, uh, MacBook air, you know, yeah. you're gonna have to do some serious, uh, uh, you know, compression.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In, well, and, and, uh, typically is your, your transcoding or your, or your proxy. I, I kind of feel like you're either moving on from your raw to a new, or you're going to go back to your raw, uh, if, or and by raw, I just mean source footage, I guess in this case, but that most of the time, if you're dealing with something really big, you you'll go back for it just for the final output um so you're you might grade on the footage because it's going to react the same if it's the same bit depth um but it's you know if you if you're if you're editing some eight right eight bit uh 720 um proxies of 12 bit yeah. f- 6k footage yeah that, that's not good, that's yeah. not gonna work you're, you're gonna do a grade and it's gonna like not do anything to it um or it will, it'll just not be what you intended. Right. Um, right. You're not so going
2: to get an accurate preview.
1: Yeah, but like, I mean, there's, I know of, I mean, you, you could do color grading at the transcode phase too. So you could go and grade all of your stuff, transcode it to, And so now it looks the way you did or get it. If you're doing like saying, trying to retain dynamic range, get it within the, the parameters you want. And now you can just move on instead yeah. of the idea of proxies.
0: That, that's a good thing to do when you're talking about footage that's like, 12-bit footage and you're working on an 8-bit screen you know you might do an initial color correction just to bring everything within that 8-bit range so you could see it all yeah, yeah. before you start editing
1: I mean, the, it might be the idea of even just adding a rec 709 uh let right. to your right. footage and so that you just have it within this normal range and you have a you know you, you were able to capture more dynamic range but uh there's still the data there
2: and so that that choice depends on what you're trying to do with it and like We've talked a lot about like ingest, I guess you would say, file types and capture file types. But uh, the next question then is like, how do you export it?
1: And, and luckily, I think a lot of the um, a lot of the video editors are now giving you lots of presets, and that's good yeah. because I tell you what, when you first had to, when you have to output your first file, and you're like, oh, I know this H.264 thing, cool, I'm going to choose that, and then the next. Uh, pull down menu is 50 choices. Yeah. Exactly. And you're like, the minimum bit. The maximum. For Facebook, rate. 1080 Facebook, all of these different things. And I remember that was the choice and still is for compression. If you don't know the ones to choose from, like, it's like, oh crap what which one of these acronyms new acronyms do i know like uh, <laughs> okay that one seems about right uh cool and and I, it's all about destination too though when it comes to outputting something it's really hard to make a file that'll work for everyone in fact i don't think it's possible but yeah. if you know where its destination is likely there's information about what the settings should be so That's like when I, we were making for tv commercials we had what people should be sending us so you know it, bit depth, pixel uh, aspect ratio, all of those things uh, yeah. because likely once I got that file, so I mean it'd be like um, well, uh, slow-mo guys uh, watch the video, uh, or I saw it, it was an Instagram p- picture and they're like um, captured footage like two petabytes um, you know, final render uh, a terabyte um, YouTube render um, you know, eight gigabytes of the same thing and so it was like, will they know their destination is youtube and youtube's going to compress the crap out of whatever they're putting in there so you know one knowing the tricks like uh a lot of times there's not a bit depth uh limit for uh youtube uh on uh when you're upgrading putting in 4k so as they get better at their encoding it'll encode it again and, and give you a better final render but if you know this is how they're they're playing it out you there might be a way i mean i've uploaded videos to YouTube that have taken five hours that are a three minute long video and i've done a ten minute video that took ten minutes <laughs> and it was just based on choosing the right form uh, the right res uh, render settings for the destination and and for YouTube, it can be very clear if you're like i'm if i'm ten eighty, they tell me this is the maximum bit depth and this is the file type suite and you can give it to them and it just goes right up there there's no uh we're encoding afterwards it's just already available likely if you just go public then it gives you all of the resolutions available already or at least the highest one versus like when i update uh, upload like a 4k video like the first one shows up as 360 and i'm like i don't want to make this public right now because then all the first people to watch it only get it in 360 resolution like that's lame. Yeah. yeah. So
0: that's interesting perspective you have on that Chris, uh, my philosophy has always been export in the, f- the format that you want to save for your archive, your posterity and your, um, your local storage or whatever. And, uh, let YouTube handle the transcoding. I think
2: um, it depends. Like Chris's way sounds more efficient if you're like doing that regularly yeah. maybe. Um, but it, I'm sure. You like it will. You'll also be happy later, maybe if you have that original like full res, high quality master file.
0: You know what makes me happy about uh, my way is I don't think about it.
1: Yeah. Well, the the one thing that I have to I have to think about when I'm doing is the amount of time that my computer is chugging away pushing up so much data into the internet. So if you don't have fast internet, your way takes five days. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, definitely. uh, This is the my
0: my um, method here is make the video, and then right before I leave for the day, start uploading. And then the next morning, hopefully it's done.
1: Well, so here's a different angle on that. We use Vimeo to host videos sometimes, and when uh, they need to be the highest quality, Vimeo does very little encoding. So I I, I choose to do a QuickTime 444 ProRes uh, output in 4K, and I put that to Vimeo because it's gonna be the just most Beautiful thing because their player will handle it and the stuff look you I can see the difference putting it there versus that same file on YouTube looks just like the one that took five minutes to upload. Yeah. And right. it's because the, the the encoding they're doing is so much they're doing the same thing they're compressing your compression. So if you can give it to them in their native player, the, the native uh, format that they want then it doesn't have to encode it at all. And that was the thing at the TV station I learned is people would be giving us files and sure they would work, but we're going to have to encode these one more time. And you're trusting me to encode that. And right. I don't care about your project. <laughs> so you know I And mean? neither like, does YouTube. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> like if if you gave it to me the way my system wants to play it back, I don't have to do any, the computer doesn't have to do any work to it. It just needs to play it versus me having to make it into a new file, which of course creates liability in, that something could be different. The encode could go wrong. I've had all sorts of artifacting in weird ways uh, from encoding something that just, you know, it just wasn't a real efficient codec. And it's like, whatever it was <laughs> caused some artifacting. And, and all of a sudden I get a call a week later. Hey, just saw my ad. There's a big old, like, looks like a fly in the, in the scene. It's like, oh, no, you're OK. Well, we'll try to encode it again. Uh, did you see what our settings were? You probably right. should have followed that. Uh, And that's, I mean, and and YouTube has that. I think, in fact, one of our best setting, uh, best articles was about settings, best settings for YouTube.
0: So something that I don't know if YouTube has ever made an official claim about, but whether or not they they keep the original file that you upload to them Hmm. and re-encode it as their encoding methods improve. So... You know, for example, if, if they're taking every file that you put up there and, and conforming it to an 8-bit display and you upload a 12-bit file today, you know, in 10 years when everyone has 10-bit displays, are they going to just go back and say, "Well, oh, we're actually going to make this a 10-bit file since you got the 12-bit original?
1: Mm-hmm. I, w- I would think that they would for the sake of one, they're already storing lots of stuff, but the that for them to continue to stay competitive, all that back content is still valuable. To them, so if they can, the, you know, there will be a time when 10 bit will be a thing that people care about. Uh, you know, on the v- on watching, watching side, side yeah, yeah. Well, they, they will not know
0: that they care about it until
1: yeah, exactly. Well, it's like the 4K button on <laughs> on YouTube. It's like you know, people, oh, you, you didn't output this in 4K. Okay, well, I'll put my 1080 out as 4K so that the player lies to you and tells you <laughs> it's 4K. I think
0: it. And YouTube, they're never going to tell anyone about 8 bit versus 10 bit. It's just that. People's monitors will upgrade, and over time, the old videos will look crummy, you know, compared to the new videos.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. What does YouTube care? They don't.
0: But actually, I just Googled this issue and did find that someone uh, here on uh, Quora says that they did did the thing where, you know, you can download all your data from Google, like every bit of data they have on you, you can re-download it. And uh, they found that when they downloaded their entire YouTube channel, they did find their original MKV files that they uploaded. Um, Interesting. Now, does that mean that they're going to save the ProRes four 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 files? But I don't they know. are there. An MKV file is quite a bit different, right? From the um,
1: yeah.
2: And if you sorry, yeah. if you upload those big files, you just uh, cost in Google storage space.
1: That's right. <laughs> they, they they can afford it. Now I'm just going <laughs> to output a 24 hour uh, ProRes four 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 file.
0: Yeah, that's constantly changing. Every frame is different from the previous. A different, one. yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> of like mosaics or some yeah. kind of like really highly detailed <laughs> and very high contrasty things. Every frame, mm-hmm. uh, and you see. I
2: wonder how many views you'd get. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much <laughs> epilepsy
1: you'd have from it from uh, yeah. from the wing or whatever. But anyhow, I think that's. Uh, it's it, the encoding on on the delivery side is really important. And because if you're say you're a documentarian and you're uh, running your doc, your film across the the festival circuit, knowing what the theater needs to play it out is really important. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of times they require a lot of metadata for um, all sorts of reasons. I mean, it might even be just for um, accessibility for uh, the hearing impaired. Down, you know, just all the different things that they might need for in the theater that they're required to have, or whatever it is. Probably a lot of the the, I know a lot of the um, distribution uh, places require them to have a certain projector and that kind of thing. So you're going to want to have the file that they're looking for, and so if you don't, it's not going to look as good as it could, or
2: it might not play at all. Yeah. Exactly. Which would suck, yeah, at totally. Your screening. Well, that was
1: <laughs> my my buddy here in town when he was showing his film. Uh, they ended up having to play it off of uh, a Blu Ray uh, because they their encoder on his DSP didn't work, and mm-hmm. so and and after he and he really wanted it because he's like I paid a lot of money to have this mixed in uh, surround sound. And then we did a test and we realized that three of the speakers weren't even on or working. So it was like, okay, well, we were okay with stereo because the front two house speakers are working fine. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, this is a little bit of a uh, tangent, I guess, from the topic, but um, should you keep all your old video files or do you uh, just toss them? Do Do you transcode them into something super small?
1: I, I'm kind of at that place with uh, a bunch of projects on my computer right now. kind of st- struggling to think what should I do because I have some stuff that I shot in RAW. The project's done. I surely, if I needed anything, it would just be for content, not necessarily to do a bunch with. Yeah. What do you? What do I do about that? But it would take time to do that. Is yeah. that time worth doing? You know, it's like it's just yeah. a, it's kind of a balance there as you far as it- that goes. But I, if I was doing it project to project, which is the time that, to do it. Um, you know, mastering out your project or having it um, like I know uh, Premiere and Final Cut will trim and make new media from everything in your project that's being used. Um, So you can tell, you know, every clip to have uh, two second handles so that you can move it around a little bit. Uh, and you know but then you don't have all the slop from every shot you don't have every take Uh, you don't have you know the hour-long voiceover session you have just the stuff you used and and that so you can master it out so at least it's somewhat manipulatable later manipulatable later Um, but uh, I don't know it's it's also like how much is data how much storage it really depends on how much data you're making to how much storage you need and like I'm starting to do a lot less just because I don't want to have to manage or find another drive.
0: <laughs> I think it's, I agree, it definitely is case by case, right? Like, um, um, you know, for the stuff that we do here, there's some cases where we want to keep the files, right? So a lot of B-roll, we want to keep the files, because you never know when you might need B-roll of something, right, it's in totally terms mean, of yeah. like, oh, I just need a shot of someone adjusting a light. I know I took one on this old project. It didn't make the final cut, but I know I took that shot. Yeah. I can go get it. Um, but, like, do we need to keep all of the outtakes from the A-roll shoot where we're just reading the teleprompter and we flubbed up the attempts <laughs> and that's two-thirds of the, the whole thing? Yeah. Probably not. We're never going to need that I stuff.
1: almost wonder if it's also that way of, like, I left the camera on for another 15 seconds because someone came in with my coffee. Uh, that adds up a while after a while, yeah. you know, it's like, I we remember drink when, a lot of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you're getting coffee all the time, they're gonna be bringing it to you. Uh, that was, you know, th- that's the one thing um, I remember about having to digitize your footage is one, I wish, I remember wanting to be able to just press play and have it digitize it all into one clip, but you'd get drift as it was encoding. Yeah. And so by the end of your hour long clip, there'd be, you know, two seconds between action and sound. Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, you just go in and you you find those takes. And I remember you just, same way I edit now uh, a little bit is go to the end of the tape and ingest the last take of everything. And likely yeah. that was, that's the take that you wanted. That's why and, you stopped, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, log log all those clips. So you They know where those things are. So you have to go, if you need to re-ingest another take from that scene, you can go backwards from there. But most of the time that works just great.
0: Now that works good for our use the right media. so like yeah. we're reading a teleprompter and we just need to
1: get through the the text
0: and once we get through it that's good enough but you know on a narrative you might have an actor say a line three or four different ways and with different inflections oh, and different yeah. emotions and you yeah. never know which one
1: you're going to need yeah. Yeah. in post right? you're you're talking about creative choices versus like function right. like i yeah, need yeah, yeah. to actually have a narration throughout the whole thing right i i choose the one that i didn't mumble on you so
2: know. maybe you don't keep the all of the flubbed teleprompter readings but you do keep every single take of that actor saying that one line
0: yeah I and mean, it just certainly I don't know is case for by how case. long
2: and i think also it's a question of how long maybe you do store everything in full resolution but only for four years and then on the fifth year you buy you, you know you just like get rid of it and wipe your hard drive i don't know about
0: that so like let's say you're making a movie uh, you make this movie and you release it and, and no one really cares about it. And then 20 years later, it somehow becomes a cult hit it classic. Happened. And then people want to see all the old outtakes. They want to see the behind the scenes, like all that stuff.
1: That's going to happen for every production I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> it's not popular now, but man, when I get older, people are going to want to watch that, gonna...
0: that, uh, live streaming course. From yeah, exactly. <laughs> 2019. Yeah. With, with questions I can't see. uh,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean the, the I th- I think we have cameras with more and more options and we're uh we're being um the newer technologies aren't at, aren't I'd say necessary. They're it's not not that they're not wanted or what have you but for most the the high-end features are very specific to when they are useful to be used to used, you know, shooting everything in log for say to have to grade it later. That's fun when you're learning log, but if you don't need the added dynamic range, why are you adding time in your post-production to grade your footage when you probably could have made it look just great out of the camera? And so there's things like that that really go, you, have to, you want to challenge your production. And the thing is, is, um, you know, it used to be that we only had so much uh, budget for so many feet of film. So you made creative choices because you had to. And I think that not making those choices sometimes as we go um, makes worse content it's it's not as good because we weren't we didn't we didn't have this finale of this is this is no this is it or not so yeah. m- rise to the occasion and make it good versus you know the i can shoot 15 this 15 different ways and then choose in the post production which way i want to do it except for it took you four times as long to shoot it yeah and
2: it takes you four times as long to edit or exactly in theory possibly because you're going through that much more footage
0: you don't need to make those decisions necessarily before you start shooting though like you could do it after the fact right so like you shoot everything in 10-bit because you just might need to pull out that extra color data and then you might get through the project and go i didn't actually need it um in which case you can transcode it all back down to 10-bit or
2: uh, 8-bit and put it on the shelf and maybe yeah you added a little bit of stuff for yourself but right
1: that's, that's the really the big thing is having enough time to do those steps after you um, uploaded the file. Like, you know, I mean, that's, it's like all the work after the work is done. Yeah. Th- that's the stuff that is over time going to save you storage space. But, you know, with storage getting cheaper and cheaper, the bigger thing is, is your data even going to be there if you do store it? You know, is it going to be safe in what you're, you know, if I, I have a bunch of hard drives at home that are in a computer that I know power's on. Well, but it's so outdated. I don't use it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, man. Eventually, those drives are just not going to spin up because they've been sitting long too long. You know, and
2: even if they do, who knows if that particular file type is one that is modern enough to be read by modern players? Because that's a that's a factor too with digital totally. formats. Is like, oh well, QuickTime doesn't read that anymore, or never did, or.
0: Yeah, I think uh, in most cases, that's those old files future. you can you can. You can convert it somehow, but
2: Handbrake or VLC. Maybe. I'm trying to
0: think of the oldest file type I ever used, and if you could, if you could get it working today, I think you could. I think it's we're talking about a small AVI file, um, you know, that I shot in 1997. I think you could even take that file and put it through Handbrake and get it going today. I,
1: I have some SD stuff that I shot in college that still plays just fine and the thing is is like all of all of the newer codecs all of the newer um resolution options and 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 bit depths and all the rest are more difficult right Whereas it was really yeah. easy then, especially as far as the yeah. work a computer needs to do. So it's like, you know, uh, I can't play that Nintendo game Well, someone will make a, an emulator to make it. So you yeah, I think it that in. that's the that's uh,
2: more of the concern for me is like you might have to download something extra like Handbrake or something.
1: Yeah. Well, or it might be like uh, there's companies now that we will put your film and your records and your yeah. uh, still, We'll scan your stills, you know, just pretty much converting it into today's media so you can. Love it again or whatever. I right? I don't trust those companies. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure the they. Pictures. I'm sure they
0: they get it right 99.99 percent of the time.
2: But, but if it's like some one of a kind 16 millimeter print from your grandpa or yeah, something. yeah, that you're gonna like. put
1: you're
0: gonna hand over to the UPS guy.
2: Yeah, it's a little nerve wracking for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Find a projector first, project it onto the wall, film that wall. A lot
0: of those companies do
1: that. Like yeah. if you
0: yeah, if you want to digitize one, that's how that's how the all, a lot of them do it. Is they project yeah. it on the wall and then and then video. Shoot, shoot, video of the wall. And then, yeah. You gotta, if you ever doing this, is a real tangent. <laughs> if you ever doing this, make sure that the company you're working with does film scanning.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I looked into this because my my family has a bunch of old uh, um, eight millimeter, you know, films.
1: This is all the really awesome tips. If you stuck around till the very yeah. end, <laughs> we have <laughs> some I stuff that'll feet really feet. save <laughs> your life. That will help you in your historical conquest to uh, keep all of your old records and.
0: Here's my pro tip effort. on transcoding.
1: <laughs> if you're making
0: YouTube videos, uh, don't worry too much about it. Yeah.
1: Just <laughs> shoot, shoot an 8-bit H.264s. Uh, shoot it right so you don't have to uh, need latitude in uh, post and uh, you know do all the jump cuts you can handle.
2: Yeah, I think the main message is think about what you're going to do with it and try to anticipate what you're going to need from your footage. And then just do like the minimum for that.
0: Yeah, here's another tip. Um, test out the camera that you plan on buying before you buy it because mm. in a lot of cases you'll get a camera and the workflow with that file uh, is such a pain that it's not worth the marginal marginally better um, um, you know video quality you're going to get out of it and the yeah. cool
1: thing is is most major camera manufacturers have raw footage from their cameras and it's going to be beautiful oh yeah you can download whatever it but you'll be able to at least see how it plays on your system and and those kinds of things that's that's going to be you know I, I would say before you start a project and you're like oh am i gonna if my camera has options to do this that or the other well what's your dream option okay test that put it on your computer see how it, well it works and that kind of thing i mean all this stuff is you can get answers before you're out there shooting you don't need to uh, yeah. struggle with this answer during post-production or even during shooting it, you know if you're setting up a green screen shoot it throw in your computer see how hard is the key it's a lot easier to make those uh choices when you're doing it than after the fact when you don't have the choice to change it yeah yeah for sure
0: okay maybe that's a good spot to uh to call it for the day um all right thanks everyone for watching we'll see you next time Bye.
2: bye yeah
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you went to iTunes and gave us a five star review. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button. It'll deliver the podcast right to your mobile device every week. For Nicole Janes, Chris Monlux, and everyone here at VideoMaker, I'm Mike Wilhelm, and you've been listening to the VideoMaker podcast. We'll catch you next time.